evening, everybody. We're here with Sex Ed Before Bed. This is, I think this is lucky number seven. Woohoo! I know. Episode number seven, the lucky one. We're here at the Pacific Junction Hotel. I'm so grateful for them hosting us with this lovely space. Um, Caitlin, you were outside just like wondering, like, where am I supposed to be going? It's a bar. It's, it's an actual <laughs> bar. For those who don't know, it's an actual bar. Yeah. And, um, you know, today is a great day, in my opinion, uh, because, rather, yesterday was, because basically the abortion pill was, it's now fully subsidized in Ontario. So it's a big thing. Woohoo! Yeah, damn right. I mean, I'm pro choice, so I'm all about that. And it had already been available in New Brunswick and Alberta, but now we got it in Ontario, which makes it a whole lot more accessible. You know, because it's basically $300 to $450, and that can be a barrier for people. So, just a little bit of sex ed before bed for everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I honestly have done no sex education on this show at all. I just let my guests do the teaching for me. But I figure I should just do a little. Here you go. I gotta, I gotta, let me break it down for you. There's two types of abortions that you can get in Canada, surgical and medical. Basically, up until this point, surgical has been the most common. And basically, what, how that works is you go to a doctor at a clinic or a hospital, and it's also known as vacuum aspiration. So basically, the cervix, or the opening to the uterus, and for those who don't know, the cervix is at the end of the vaginal canal. And it looks like a little donut. It looks it has- like the head of a penis. <laughs> yes, exactly. With the hole being the entry point, the os. Yeah, the os. The yeah. os. It's called the, the os. os. Like the wizard of os. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you to the candy shop. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah. Basically, the cervix is dilated and the embryo and the tissue is removed from the uterus. And it only takes five or ten minutes to perform. And it requires a local anesthetic and medication to help you relax. So, if you want to do it in the hospital, they'll also use general anesthetic, and then you can be put to sleep for this. Now, let me tell you about the other kind, which applies to what has recently happened. The other type of abortion is medical, and basically, it's when you use pills. And it can only be used more early in surgery, in, sorry, in a pregnancy, up to seven weeks from the first day basically seven weeks into your pregnancy. So, medical abortion is basically, it involves mifigemisole. Oh, I'm killing it, I'm butchering the name. But now instead of going um, and having, now it's more available that you can actually take it at home. So it's more accessible. So, cheers to you, Canada, for getting your ish together. (laughs) Yeah. All right, now I want to introduce my my illustrious guest, Caitlin Caitlin Roberts. You, your middle initial, you use that as well, Caitlin L. Roberts. Caitlin K. Roberts. Caitlin K. Roberts. Okay. Caitlin Roberts is a very boring white girl name. I had yes. to spice it up a little bit. Yeah, get the K in there, and you're already spicy enough. You got so many things uh, that I'm excited to talk to you about. You're a project addict, self defined. <laughs> yeah, I and, do have a problem with. That. I mean, you coach. You coach sessions out of Oasis as well? No, I am. Uh, I take one-on-one clients for somatic sex education sessions, mm-hmm. um, and then I occasionally do workshops at Oasis or like host events. Okay, Oasis is a sex club. Oasis is know. a sex club. <laughs> a great one, I think. 
And you have a wonderful blog to be a slut. I do. Yeah. Right? Tomorrow I'm going to slut walk. Amazing. Yeah. I think that we're going to make like time to go. It's at from two to six. Yes. So we're going to like hurry over there. Yeah. At I'm some pretty point. pumped. Well, okay. I really want to get into our main topic, which is going to be a secret until we get there. But I do first want to talk about you being the CEO of Spit, Toronto's only all porn outlet. I mean, there's a there's like little pop up, like there's individuals who make a lot of alternative porn in the city. Um, yeah. We're like the only company, mm-hmm. like the only alt porn company that produces other types of porn and puts it all on our one website. Awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what kind of undertaking is that? Um, I mean, like it's a beautiful little hobby. <laughs> People really don't like paying for porn. Uh, pay for your porn. If I can give you any advice today, pay for your porn so people like me can keep making the porn. Yeah. Um, but it's really, really fun because it brings together like a beautiful little community of people who are eager and happy to showcase the variation of their sexuality on camera. Yeah. Um, so it's different than the mainstream porn you see out there. And it's super, super important to like know that there are different types of sex yeah. out there and different types of bodies and different genders and different like fetishes and like it's just like all over the place instead of these like uh, scripted entertainment for men right so you feel that a lot of mainstream porn like Pornhub etc is mostly catering to men and it's pretty it doesn't include enough it doesn't have enough diversity yeah I mean like it's like this is the the go-to phrase for sex educators is like watching porn to learn how to have sex is like going onto the highway to learn how to drive. Right. Right? Like, you, like you're like you not going to get any information. It's like, bam, 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 bam. It's yeah. like, we teach our young people <laughs> that this is the only way to have sex. And all of a sudden, like, people are having sexual dysfunction. Right. And it's not necessarily that they have sexual dysfunction, just that they don't think, they think that they're having sex wrong. Mm, right. Especially young people where this is their first indication. They're watching porn from the age 13, right? I remember reading that the average uh, male, I guess, starts watching porn when they're 13. So like, okay, this is how it's supposed to go. And then the expectations are just so dysfunctional. You have to be hard all the time. If you're not hard, then you're not a man. Right. You have to pleasure women. Women have to be highly orgasmic without any clitoral stimulation. Oh. Men aren't allowed to make any noise when they're fucking, but women have to be explosively loud. <laughs> like, there's so many weird, bizarre things that go on. You can't touch anybody because the camera angles are all important about, like, we have to get the specific genital shots in there. So you yeah. never see people actually, like, touching each other yeah. in mainstream porn. Mm. Like, it's so weird. It's unintimate porn. It's non-intimate. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, there's just so many things. I was also thinking the other day that I think blowjobs, obviously, I think the proportion of time that's spent on blowjobs is more than on uh, basically going down on a person. And I think it has to do with camera, the camera angles, just because it's a lot easier to shoot a, a, like a blowjob than to get the finite details of somebody flicking the bean for somebody else. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. mean, but maybe there's some great close-ups that I'm not seeing. But so, so what? What can people expect if they're if they go to Spitz website and pay for the porn there? So all of our porn is um, performer guided and directed. So we don't have any scripts. Um, we hire our performers based like purely on like their ethics and values for wanting to get into porn, and like they want to make a difference. They want to showcase that. Their sex is also normal. 
Um, so we will match people based on their mutual interest in each other and then suggest that they have a conversation about things that they want to do on camera together. So we literally have like no input about how things would go in. Sometimes we come up with a concept and be like, who wants to do an alien porno? Um, and we'll have people like offer themselves up and then we'll kind of go from that point forward. So okay. we have very little to do with the direction, which is on purpose because we really want to like emphasize that this is like as, as genuine of sex as we can make it with cameras in the room. Yeah. Um, so it's totally, we kind of like take our hands out of the situation. Mm, okay. I like that. It's really organic self and it's driven by the actors. Yeah. And do yeah. people shoot in, in, do you tend to shoot in the actors' homes? Or um, it's like their homes, our homes, friends' homes. <laughs> Sometimes we shot in a hair salon once. <laughs> like anywhere that will let us shoot porn, we awesome. will shoot porn. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, how big is the porn scene in Toronto in contrast to anywhere else? Vancouver, Montreal, I don't know. Uh, Montreal's bigger. Um, Toronto is not so much. Like it has the Toronto Porn Festival now. Um, which used to be the Feminist Porn Awards, mm. which is great because it really brings in a lot of people for that celebration. Uh, but it's, Toronto itself is not a huge porn city right. at all. San Francisco, the Bay Area, that's <laughs> like where it's all at. Yes. Oh, yes. And I went to the Gulf Sexuality Conference this year, and there was a lot of talk about consensual non-monogamy. And also, from what I understand, it's easier. It's a lot easier for people to have those kind of lifestyles in San Francisco or Portland. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the research kind of showed that it's really, it's about 5% of people have those kind of relationships. So that's you know, it really. Yeah. I think that's going to grow. <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah. I really do. Tell me more. Oh, I don't know. I find um, like seven years ago when I first started getting into poly, uh, I felt like risky to tell a first date that this was a lifestyle I was choosing. Mm -hmm. Now I often have to like, like it's, it's unusual that if I asked them if they were monogamous, they'd be like, no. Like, but I think that's also the people that I'm seeking out. Right. Um, but it's becoming more common on like university campuses where like, open relationships or polyamory or ethical non-monogamy, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Like younger people are getting more and more interested in this kind of yes. new love style. Right. And one of the myths, the pre prevailing myths about poly is that there's no um, communication involved. It's just like, okay, cool. We're going to sleep with whoever we want. Yeah. Is, is that a myth or is that true? <laughs> Um, well, I mean, like, I'm sure there's some people out there who are doing it that way, yeah. but they will find very quickly that it does not work. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's about, like, excessive communication. Like, poly people are the people who are, like, at a bar and, like, let's talk about everyone here you're attracted to and, like, the potentiality of you going home with any one of them and how do I feel about that situation? How would I feel about that situation? Would I go home with you? It's, like, every possible imagination of any possible oh solution. You go through to make sure, like, how does that feel in my body? Like, am I okay with it? What boundaries do I need? <laughs> what does my partner need to know? Like, it's endless. It's oh endless communication. It sounds kind of riveting. You know, it sounds riveting and exciting. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I, I wonder if I could, if I could do it. Mm. I think I, I'm not an overly jealous person. I mean, I'm sure, I, I know... 
I'm not an overly jealous person, but I I have a territoriality about my partner. I suppose I don't have a partner. Hey oh and looking. Rebecca is single. <laughs> Newest flash. But um I don't know. I don't know. I think it's it's a cool it's really cool and different. I think um the way that's useful to think about jealousy is that it's usually a secondary emotion, mm. meaning that there's something underneath of it. Mm. Um like like anger. When people are angry, it's not necessarily the reason like like when you have an angry fight, there's usually like, oh, I'm sad because you didn't yeah. come home on time and I was lonely and wanted to hang out with you. Yes. But it's coming out as anger. Yes. Um, so the same thing with jealousy and like looking at yourself, okay, why am I jealous? Yeah. What am I afraid of losing or what do I want to protect? And like, how does that sit with me morally and ethically? Do I really sure. want to hold on to this person and like retain their freedom? Mm-hmm. Or is it like something deeper and how do I work through that? Sure. Totally. And it's, okay. But I mean, that relates to what Whitney, my first guest ever talked about, Whitney Wilson. She, um, she works with people who've been charged with uh, domestic violence. And she talked about the exact same thing, about anger being a secondary emotion. And for me, that was probably the biggest takeaway mm-hmm. from, from that conversation because it's about something else. With jealousy, I think, I mean, I remember someone saying it's about... Uh, worrying about not being like loved enough or something like that. But also certainly I think our culture promotes the idea that, ah, you're the one and like, I don't know that you're everything that I need. So then in a poly relationship, it's like, no, I get different things from different people. Absolutely. You know, and you know what? Damn right. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) oh okay okay i have a question Mm -hmm. if if i or a listener (laughs) um wanted to get more involved in the poly community and learn more about it what would be your advice um there's so many poly meetup groups Mm it's like polyamory toronto you go on facebook and search for poly groups Mm -hmm. um there's poly dating zones there's like going to oasis is a great start and like usually all these dating zones will have like meetups at like bars where you get to know each other so it's like a wide diverse world and also making an okay cupid account making an okay cupid account that says you're poly because you can select that as an option now okay and you can search for other poly people <laughs> it's excellent that's great i know filter 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 right <laughs> you right? filter fish that's great <laughs> <laughs> all right awesome so that is good advice. And now the main event, which is something we talked about before. And I think something that uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about. Our topic for today is mindful masturbation. Yay! So, okay. From what you've told me, you're a somatic sex educator. That means using the body's knowledge to heal and increase pleasure. Yeah, and you talk to me about pleasure being a skill, and you know you help different kind of clients, and you talked about like having a daily pleasure practice. So you ch- now you challenge yourself to have a thirty day practice. Well, um, I did challenge myself to do that. I had to do that one for my training. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't actually make it to the 30 days just because life got in the way and I had no time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something that I've continued 
So <laughs> I try, I try to do this daily where I give myself 30 minutes every day of like self pleasure, mm-hmm. but that doesn't look like me sitting down and watching porn and rubbing one out. Like it's, yeah. it's quite varied and a little all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's with this goal of like putting my body and my brain and my mind into a state of genuine, authentic pleasure in a myriad of different ways. Mm-hmm for half an hour every day. Mm. And the benefits are ridiculous. <laughs> Tell me more. What is, what is, okay. Well, okay. Can you, can you talk about like what it looks like when you're in that stage? Yes. So, okay. So I'm first going to talk about what it looked like before I was <laughs> yes, in the stage. Yes. Let's get the status quo. <laughs> um, so I had, as most people do, a really strong masturbation pattern. Yeah. Um, mine became over the course of time. Um, I would lie in bed. Uh, with my legs spread open, I would close my eyes. I would fantasize using my fantasy reel. I had like a solid like <laughs> five to ten, and I just like were my go-to's. Worked like a charm. Um, and then I would use <clears throat> my middle finger on my right hand. This is a lot of information <laughs> to like stimulate my clit in a very specific pattern. Um, and this is it. Like this, this was how I masturbated for like. 10 years (laughs) so like I really really ingrained in my body in my brain this like habit of this is how my body experiences pleasure Mm. it's like relearning how to walk yes it is totally take it for granted and like I like so doing this practice like the whole point of it is to break your patterns so I was so reliant on using fantasy that the idea of keeping my eyes open and like paying attention to the sensations in my body versus like what was happening in my head was like the hardest thing in the world. And as soon as I realized how difficult it was, I was like, shit, I got to work on this. If this is the only way that I can experience pleasure, then like it's really limiting me in like my interactions with myself, but also with my partners. Mm. Right. Because maybe, well, certainly funny show. And also from my own experience, You'll use those fantasies, you might use those fantasies during sex with a partner. Absolutely. That's actually how I learned to orgasm in partnered sex was mm-hmm. like, I couldn't do it even though I was trying to be really, really present with the person. And then I was like, oh, if I use my fantasies, my brain is so used to that, that I can achieve orgasm with a partner. But that means I'm dipping out of the situation and going into myself yeah. in order to have an orgasm. Yeah. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. But also, I wanted to be able to like be present and have an orgasm. And it's still really hard. Yeah. I'm still not capable of it all the time. Yeah. It's a learning process. Very, damn right. I totally know what you mean about zoning out at that moment. And sometimes that experience can last 20 minutes. Especially because, okay, from my own perspective, I trained myself for with one specific technique. And unlike... If I lose the rhythm or forget, forget them touching me because they don't know how to do it the way I do, right? Like if I want to kind of get to this train station, <laughs> then it has to be so specific, yeah. which sometimes mm-hmm. meant going to some other place for who knows how long, you yeah. know? And that sort of felt, it felt like maybe not doing justice to that person, you know? I don't know. It sort of felt like not as intimate. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. definitely understand. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. So the beauty, so the mindful masturbation, what it looks like now, um, how I've altered it over the course of the past three months, mm-hmm. um, is there? There's like a 
they hand you a, a list of things that you can change about your, your patterns. Um, but I found most useful to just start making small variations to how I was normally masturbating. So if I, <clears throat> if I was relying on fantasy so much, to utilize my fantasy to get me into a place of high arousal and then focus on the sensations of my body. So like utilizing the place to get aroused and like get to that place that I'm really familiar with and then changing my patterns. Um, and then incorporating movement and like sound and uh, vibrations on places on the rest of my body and like self-touch. So like I have, I have like seven different <laughs> masturbation patterns right now that I've just like fallen in love with. And like, so for half an hour, every, like every day this changes. But like one of them is putting on music that I love and like watching myself dance while rubbing coconut oil all over my body. Oh. Yeah, it's delightful. It's absolutely <laughs> delightful. Um, and then I'll go into like more of a vulva massage style. So instead of touching just my clit in the way that I'm used to, I'm, like exploring the sensations of the rest of my genitals. Yes, because damn, they get ignored. Right? Yeah, the rest of the labia is hungry. The labia, time. the inner labia, the outer yeah. labia, like the... The, the frenulum? Intro, <laughs> like the entrance of the vagina. Mm. Like, the entrance of my vagina is super sensitive. Mm. I had no clue. Oh, my God. Um, and just, like, inside, too, I had, like, this thing called genital hole numbness, mm. where, like... I would put my fingers inside and like I couldn't feel the sensations of my fingers. And so like starting to develop the sensations inside my vagina again was just like huge in itself. Wow. Yeah. So this is a thing that can happen to people? So a lot of the time people with vaginas will start having sex before they're ready to have sex. And that's just like a cultural thing. In porn, there's no foreplay. You just stick the penis in. Yes. You know, right? Of course. You're good to go. Like, of course. When of you course. have sex, it's all about penetration. You put the penis in the vagina yes. and then it's sex. <laughs> um, how we've evolved. I know, how we've come right? so far. <laughs> and like, that's a great fun thing to do. Right? And or, or like, it's not sex if penetration doesn't happen. Right? 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 Oh. Yeah. I know. Um, so what happens there is because our body is like recognizing it as not pleasurable, it starts to just numb out the sensation. So it's kind of, it's a, a type of trauma. It's like this, this part of our body that numb to pleasure because it's protecting itself against pain. Mm. Right? And so like reworking with that and like sex is always, I've always really loved sex. Like I just like, that's why I'm doing the work I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and so I, I never specifically realized that I had like vaginal trauma from these like hordes of experiences of just sex before my body was actually ready for sex. Right. Um, but, uh, like the beauty of like entering myself really, 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 really slowly and like trying to notice the pleasure in every slow movement was so much harder than I was anticipating. And like to build up that somatic awareness and bodily awareness is like, it's, it's like I, I feel my body for the first time. Like right. it's like magical. This is huge. It is really. This is a an epiphany, a moment of epiphany. Well, yeah. many moments of epiphany. For yeah. You. Oh and, yeah. And also with your example with the coconut oil. You know, if I think about it, as someone who I would consider a bad sexual partner, they'd go straight for the genitals, right? But I treat myself that way. We treat ourselves that way when we master. We're like, all right, here's the place. Let's go. Yeah, down to business. Yeah. And with your coconut example and the other things that you said, it's a really holistic approach and an exploratory approach about 
here's the whole body. I have sensation everywhere. Let's figure out where there's areas of heightened sensation, vibration, as you said, using sound. It sounds a lot more immersive. Yeah. And so one of the things that's really interesting about um, sex and arousal in general is that there's, there's two emotional affects. There's interest and excitement, which is the one that most people understand sex to be about. It's like this bam, arousal, like build up arousal, build up arousal, excitement, excitement, excitement. Um, you climax, you orgasm, and then you go into an enjoyment bliss phase where you're kind of just like lying there in total like heaven about this like orgasmic feeling in your body, right? <laughs> like you're not in that hyper state of arousal anymore. You're in enjoyment bliss. And you can carry enjoyment bliss into your masturbation and sexual experiences. So instead of it being this like climb of interest excitement, you do interest excitement, enjoyment bliss. Interest, excitement, enjoyment, bliss. So you start to develop this really like lengthy pattern where your body starts to realize that interest, excitement isn't the only source of pleasure. Like right. pleasure can be so varied and delightful. And it doesn't have to be a mountain. No. It's blips. Like little tiny hills, molehills, yeah. <laughs> and then some mountains, and then maybe some non-mountains. <laughs> and like, it can be all over the place. Right. Does this, have, this sounds a lot like what I've heard about Tantra. Is it related? Um, you know, I'm not a tantra practitioner, mm. but I would like assume that it's the same. <laughs> like, I'm assuming that the things that I'm saying in probably more like scientific ways are a lot of the like spiritual practices of tantra. Right. Okay, got it. All right. Well, I know you help people. You help different types of clients, and you do help clients with trauma. I do, yeah. Um, I'm not a trained therapist in any way, shape, or form, so it has to. I have to feel comfortable with the level of trauma that is present and like the level of therapy that someone else has had previous to coming to me. Right. Um, and uh, there's only so much work you can do in talk therapy when trauma lives in the body. Right. So it's like working through, especially sexual trauma and genitals. Um, so my the somatic sex education is based in one way touch. So it's me touching clients never the other way around. Mm -hmm. um, and so it can involve a lot of like vulva massage and like starting to like feel again. And like I've had sessions where I've just like held a finger in someone's vagina for like 30 minutes. So they noticed the sensation and like that was it. But like that's such a powerful thing when all the sex we know is this like, oh, you're turned on, penetrative sex, penetrative sex. Oh, I've had an orgasm. Okay, we're done. Yeah. Right. Like, it's just this idea and concept we have of what sex looks like is so limited to what our bodies could use and need and benefit from. When, when you use the word trauma, I always think, I guess I, I had this idea that it would be somebody who maybe been, like, assaulted. But is that, is that what you mean when you say trauma? Or do you mean it more in a, in a way where somebody doesn't maybe realize that there's trauma and they've sort of lost that sensation in the general area. It can, it can be both those things. Like on yeah. the spectrum of trauma, um, I, had, I had my own realization where I didn't think I had experienced any trauma. And then once I had, um, I, once a practitioner was doing this touch on me, like such an intense emotional release. And like I had no clue where it was coming from, just like tears though, right? Mm. And like I, like it's just, it's in our bodies. Okay. And so when you start to access that and like release it in the system, like you might not even know where it's coming from, but you're just tapping into 
these places in our bodies that are just holding on to emotions. Okay, okay. So it's not tr- so in this case, it's not like someone did this to me. It's more like there's some kind of release that indicates that there are that there is trauma. But could it, in, instead of saying trauma, could it reach exchange with like I don't know, like a holding on to something or I think it's like both in the same like people who have scar tissue like that's right. a form of bodily trauma right mm-hmm. um and we might we don't think about scar tissue as trauma but like that that's traumatic to the body uh, like okay. right when you cut into the skin like yeah. that's trauma um and like emotional trauma is still trauma right when your nervous system gets to that fight flight or freeze mode, you're putting your body into the state of hyperarousal where you don't have the ability to self-regulate. So it's, it's like taking care. So if someone has gone through um, emotional or sexual trauma, um, maybe like having their hand held down was a part of that. And so when someone grabs their hand, the body doesn't know time. So it's reliving that same experience, putting that person in that fight, flight, or freeze mode, mm-hmm. and they get to the state of hyperarousal where they're not able to self-regulate. Mm-hmm. So the benefit of doing somatic sex education in that kind of format is there's a safe space. You know you're in a safe space. Um, your nervous system is regulated, and we can tap into that type of touch and release the body's um, holding on of that somatic experience of having someone grab your hand. I see. Right? Okay. So you start to experience that specific touch in a safe space and let go of the old trauma. Wow. Even though it might be difficult to know what it's linked to or where it's coming right? from. Yeah. Yeah. We so, don't always need to know the story. Right. 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 In this... Okay. So, hypothetically then, somebody who's, you know, always felt that they've had healthy relationships could they still, they could still have trauma in their body. You know? Oh, absolutely. Right. So even though it's not like no malice has occurred, but still there can be trauma. 100%. Right. And it, it, it's linked to maybe one of the things you said is not being ready. The body moving forward before it's ready. And the person in their mind is like, yeah, sure, I'm ready. And it seems to tie into ideas of what's normal. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. not tuning in. Yeah, we're, we're so disconnected from our bodies day to day, right? Like, as soon as we're born, it's all about, like, how's your head feeling? What are the emotions are you having? Not, like, what are you noticing in your body? Like, yeah. if your aunt hugs you and you don't want to be hugged, your body has a physical response to that. But mm-hmm. we overlook that. We override it and we say, hug her anyway. Right. Right? There you go. And here's the issues of consent. Right? For sure. This is pretty fascinating stuff. And how ironic that we live in our bodies all of our lives, but yet we're, we're distanced from them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I certainly feel like I'm out of touch with my body, and I'll tell doctors that too. Like, what's your pain level like? Like, no idea. Is your pain different now? No idea. I just feel really out of touch with it. Yeah. So you've definitely, it seems like you're feeling a huge uh, need <laughs> in it's people's lives. so, so important. Like, the amount of times that clients come in just being like, I want to feel home in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what a powerful statement to, like, this, like, we're not going anywhere else. These are the bodies we live in. So, like, to feel home in our bodies, like, what a beautiful idea and, like, reality that we can achieve. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. Game changer. And what a fact has... Learning about all of these things, somatic, the somatic sex work that you've been 
trained to do now and also mindful masturbation. What impact has it had on your life? Oh my God. <laughs> like I can feel things. I can like feel so much when I, when I experience an emotion, like I check in with my body and realize that there's sensations happening that are attached to those emotions. Um, and being able to ask someone like, can you just touch me this way? Or can you say this to me? Because like my body, my mind, my heart wants to hear this thing. Um, and like being unable to ask for those things or even know that I wanted those things. Um, on top of that, like my capacity for pleasure has just like expanded by a billion. Um, and like, like sexual pleasure, sure. But also like day to day, like walking down the street, just like the feeling of my jacket on my skin is like, so nice <laughs> like it's just like everything I'm my brain is just like drenched in all these happy hormones so of course I'm experiencing the world in this like delightful bliss <laughs> you are you're uh you're operating on a heightened awareness in, in a heightened awareness place only because I'm masturbating for 30 <laughs> minutes every day it's free everybody <laughs> oh my god who doesn't want to masturbate for 30 minutes a day it I just sounds it, excessive yeah and also <laughs> if I told you you could get better at masturbating who wouldn't be like yes and that and it would have ripple effects within your body and jolts and also as you told me earlier it has impact on your your life with your some of your lovers my lovers my like I have so much energy all of the time <laughs> like it's just endless amount of energy is this the replacement for coffee we've all been looking for <laughs> yes okay doesn't, doesn't stain your teeth and won't keep you up at night or maybe it will and you get to have like <laughs> orgasms all the time oh my gosh oh my gosh right because it's like, increase your capacity for orgasm if you wanted to, sure. sure. Like I, I, I typically, I will typically orgasm when I do this because it just feels good, and why wouldn't I? Um, but like the emphasis is on like if you're having difficulty achieving orgasm through it, don't put that pressure on yourself. Just like be in pleasure, and if you start to notice anxiety or fear or pressure or shame or guilt coming in, stop what you're doing and reassess the situation and go searching for pleasure again. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it sounds like this requires maybe a level of maturity that not all of us have. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Thank God. Thank I do masturbation coaching. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing. Oh my God. You've helped. So you've helped other people find. Do we want to do yours right now? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> why not? Okay. What are your masturbation patterns? Tell well, me. Oh my gosh. The listeners are going to get to know me. I think we've glossed over them. Okay. I'd say I'm a pretty vanilla masturbator. I lay in bed, spread the legs, and basically I take my index finger and move it either in a circle around the clit or sort of north-south on the clit. Um, I use lube. Shout out to Astroglide. And I, I would say I watch porn 60% of the time, 70% of the time, and then 30% is a reel and it's sometimes a reel of porn I've watched recently or previous partners that I've been with and that's it <laughs> that's it it's beautiful <laughs> so like here's the thing the celebration of your pleasure is oh, incredible like it's amazing that you've found space in our super erotophobic culture to give yourself pleasure mm. and let's expand it so what have like do you like touch on your body like can I touch your hand? 
may I touch your hand? Mm-hmm. Yes, you may. So just like noticing the sensations of touch. What does it feel like? It feels very gentle and it feels, it makes me feel my arm where I didn't feel it before. I didn't notice the arm was there. And now that you're touching my arm, it feels very, it's a gentle caress. It's a gentle caress. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So like, and we can touch ourselves these ways, but we are always relying on other people to touch us for some reason. Mm. But when like, like I just can go home and like just touch my entire body and feel like regulated. Mm, because we need that in this freaking city because I think, I've talked about this before actually on uh, another podcast, 21 Questions, about being bereft of touch and being a single person in the city sometimes you can go a long time without anybody else touching you if you're not a, if you're not seeing anybody oh my gosh totally so then you feel bereft of touch and you're like oh but like i don't want to meeting somebody it's so far away from me right now and then so what you're saying is i can get the same joy from touching myself that I could from another person touching me. I mean, like, and often other people don't touch us the way we want to be touched. Mm-hmm. So understanding the kind of touch that you like on yourself by practicing first gives you the tools to then guide other people. Mm, this is helpful. This is so helpful. I can train them then. <clears throat> so my suggestion to you <laughs> is A, to change your position. Mm-hmm. And that can be anything, maybe rolling over on your side, standing up, like sitting in a chair, um, whatever you want. Start to incorporate like more um, volvular massage t- touch, like discover what other touch feels good mm-hmm. and don't necessarily attach it to like, this needs to make me orgasm, just like search for the pleasure in it and incorporate full body touch. Like do the coconut oil thing, <laughs> right? Like look for what feels good. If like the light touch isn't what feels good, start doing deeper touch. Maybe start slapping yourself. <laughs> like just explore it. Have fun with it. That's great. Oh, that's such a, that's a revel. And it's all on my own personal private space. Exactly. You get to do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> my roommate's going to be like, where's the coconut oil? <laughs> we have a giant tub of coconut oil. Just scrape them off my body. <laughs> I like that. I really like that. And, and seeing pleasure as valuable in and of itself where I think orgasm has become, I've become orgasm driven and it's very much just like how our society is very goal oriented. We're not about how you got there. It's just get there. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that. That's one of the things I've been thinking about lately. Totally. And we use masturbation as a, like, a tool to either like, relax us or put us to sleep or a distraction. Yeah. Like, what if we use it as like, a tool to like, feed ourselves and like, revitalize our bodies? <gasps> right? That's so great. I'm just, I know. I'm thinking about you wearing your jacket right now and how the jacket... How the ja- you were saying how the jacket feels. feels good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so nice. Because <laughs> you know, it, as you said, it's a practice, and just the way that some people would scoff at the notion that there needs to even be sex education. Like, no, I have it, therefore I get it, therefore I know how to do it because I do it. And so, same with masturbation, or or. Touch or any of those things. Practice can help a lot. And as you've experienced, have a lot of benefits beyond. Absolutely. (laughs) 
this is like the science. This is so there's like the new research out about like how to change your brain so that you're just a happier person. Um, and it's super simple. Like you just, uh, you have a positive experience, you notice it, you absorb it, you enrich it, and you imprint it in your body. Mm. So you just stay with it longer, basically. But they don't talk about sexual pleasure at all because it's science and they're scientists and I'm sure everyone's terrified. <clears throat> but it makes so much sense that if you incorporate sexual pleasure into this concept of allowing your body and your brain to be in a state of joy and pleasure, that we're just allowing our nervous systems and our brains to also just be in a state of joy and pleasure. Yes. <laughs> oh my. It's, it's like magic, right? Mm. Right. It's a gift. It's a gift that we give ourselves. And reveling in it. Mm -hmm. I think this is pretty, that's pretty huge. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry, I get really enthusiastic about this topic. I know, because this has been something that you've been, it, it, it's been so recent for you. Yeah. For the past six months. Uh, not like four months tops. And what impact has it had in your, well, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but with your lovers, it's, it's so it's become a really interesting process. Um, not necessarily just the orgasmic yoga practice. That's what it's called. It, like that's the thing that it's called is orgasmic yoga. But I prefer mindful masturbation right. because it's neither orgasmic nor yoga. Um, and it's been a really interesting process because I have all this like newfound sex knowledge, um, and it's very interesting to date in general. Just because I'll like meet someone, and I'm like. Oh, I see everything that we can work on. So you're either a client <laughs> or like a lover that I'm training. So it's like, oh my god, how, how do I parse this apart now? Yes. Um, yeah. But I do. I have I have a lover that I'm training, and I have other like I have so the, the like a sex wizard lover now, which is nice. Oh, that that they're training you in some ways. We train each other. We're helping each other. Oh, that's but nice. he has the same tools that I do. <laughs> so it's like we can go above and beyond, which is excellent. Right. Can you can you tell me about some of the training that you've received? Actually, you have sexological body work. Yeah. Done. Yeah. I'm also, I received the surrogate partner therapy training, okay. which was fascinating. Um, I, my general like sex educator certification um, and the sexological body work slash somatic sex education was like the coolest thing because it got me into my body. <laughs> Using your own body's knowledge yeah. to learn about it. It was so cool. And that was in BC. That was in BC. What's the what's the organization that teaches it? Um I think you just Google sexological body work, but yeah. um they're leaning in towards rebranding as somatic sex education. Okay. Um because it just is that more. Yeah. Um it's somatic sex education. Gotcha. That's what it is. <laughs> wow. Hmm. This is pretty uh, pretty profound. So is it, <laughs> and do you still feel like you've got a ways to go? Or do you feel like, okay, i got to figure it out? Uh, well, there's a level two training. <laughs> and I will be doing that. Um, I think you should be the poster child. <laughs> <laughs> I would love no. Um, uh, no, there's, there's always, like, more to learn. Right. And, like, there's always... It's really fascinating to discover how much I don't know about my body still. Yeah. Very humble. And when you work with spit, do you direct porn as well? Well, I mean, but like, I'm there. Yeah. Right. yeah. I'm there for, like, happy assistance. I'm, like, the, I'm porn mom. That's what they call me. Oh, my God. The porn mama. I'm porn mom. And have you shared with some of the people that you work with at spit what you're doing? And I'm very public on social media. Okay. <laughs> so I'll have, like, total people I don't know be like, I love the work you're doing. I'm like... 
Oh, yes. Which part? <laughs> you, um, <clears throat> so it, it's it's fun for sure. No kidding. Um, so that's pretty awesome. And now you're getting, delivering this to clients. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And you work with couples as well. Yeah, I'll work with anyone. With anybody. With anybody. Oh my gosh. And how do people find you? Um, CaitlinKRoberts.com. Yeah. C-A-I-T-L-I-N-K Roberts. Okay. Beautiful. There's like a million ways to spell Caitlin. So oh, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> we got it with the C. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been more than enlightening to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly to share my own, some of my own experiences in a very public way. I'm sorry if that was too much. It's okay, it's okay. Pushing that edge. Yeah. My brother edits the podcast. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you could ask your brother some very interesting questions. Oh my gosh. Can we get another editor on this? (laughs) We need a guest editor for the more. Let your brother know. I'll also give him some masturbation coaching. Okay, awesome. Awesome. On on air. All you have to do is talk about. He has to talk about his own uh, his own practices. I do. I do think it's super helpful to start like making it a public conversation because no one will like admit that we masturbate, but no one really talks about right what that looks like. Yes, agreed. Well, that's what our. I feel like that's what I'm trying to do here is to get it all out there, you know. And I guess I use myself in some ways. We're using ourselves as. We're leading. We're kind of leading this. You know, we're trying to lead the charge of not being so afraid to talk about it. Sex, it, sex you know, is a private thing, I guess. That's, you know, you, but it can be a public thing as well. But these conversations <laughs> are important, you know. Oh, I wanted to ask you another question. Sure. Uh, some people are able to orgasm without touching their genitals at all. Is that true? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And is that something that you've been able to achieve? Oh, my God, no. Sometimes I feel like I might be able to get there with just nipple stimulation, but I still haven't. Yeah. But it's like, it's on the table. It's like a goal in the far future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And enjoying everything else. Right? Oh my God. Caitlin, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show to enthusiastically <laughs> talk about masturbation. <laughs> All right. So signing off, Sex Ed Before Bed, this has been a particularly riveting session and we'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye.